welcome to Minerva's Creative Conversations, a podcast show where I dig deeper into the personal journeys and professional careers of influential and successful women and how their stories can inspire others to achieve success. I'm your host, Minerva Salas, and today my special guest is Claire Cuccio, PhD, Colonel, retired, and signal officer in the United States Army. Claire, welcome to the show. Thanks, it's good to be here. Thank you. Now, Claire, it is a pleasure to have you on the show. What was your inspiration for joining the military? I joined the Army because I wanted, to, that I wanted the Army to pay for college. So I had a four-year ROTC scholarship. I mean, it was, it was a job that sounded interesting because it sounded like it would be outdoors as opposed to behind a desk. And I just seemed something I wanted to do. I was kind of a tomboy, and the Army just seemed like a natural fit. Okay, makes sense. That makes sense. Now, you have been in the United States Army for over 29 years and worked as a signal officer. What communication and information systems did you plan and execute for the armed forces? One of my favorite jobs was as the Theater Network Operations and Security Center Director in Kuwait in 2008, 2009. And that was a big job. The TNOSC, as it was called, or now it's called the Regional Cyber Center. So the Regional Cyber Center job is to connect the countries and then to connect the forward operating bases within the countries. So that was, that was a pretty large effort. And then my last assignment before I got out in 2018 was in the Pacific. And our network, the Army network, ranged from Alaska, Japan, Hawaii, Korea, Kwajalein Island, and Guam. So a pretty large network. Well, there's a lot of people on the team. That's a large responsibility. That helps. Uh, you also had held a position um, as a director for congressional affairs in Afghanistan. How was that experience as a female military leader? And what were some of your responsibilities? So that was a fantastic job. So I was stationed in Hawaii at the time, notified that going to Afghanistan. So and I don't know how I felt about that. At the, at the time, you know, you don't want to go, but you do want to go. You always want to go. Right. So that was all of 2016 I spent there. And I worked for the four-star in Afghanistan at the time. And I was his congressional liaison. So I prepared him because he has to testify in front of Congress. So I prepared him for two congressional hearings. And then our general officer that was in charge of support had a hearing and um, some other congressional visits. So I prepared him for that. And also, I took 25 congressional delegations, they call them CODELs, where members of Congress and staff come over and we show them what the money they're spending in Afghanistan is buying. So you take them to, each, to some of the bases and they get to talk to the commanders there, they get to talk to soldiers, they get to talk to um, anybody they want to, anybody they're interested in, because certain members of Congress have different interests in each place, depending on what committee they're on. So they were able to see where the funds were allocated? Yes, they could see what, you know, if they bought, if they bought up armor for Humvees, they could see Humvees with up armor 
on them. That's great. That's great. Well, that's my, that's an amazing experience just to be abroad for a year in Afghanistan. That's, uh, that's quite a leap there, I could say. Yeah, it wasn't my favorite place to be, but it was an it experience. Yeah, it was a good experience. Exactly, exactly. And now you are currently the president and CEO of SNVC, uh, which is a woman owned and veteran owned business that provides national security and defense operations support. Can you elaborate more on your company services and who are your customers? Sure, so we basically run networks. Right now we are working at the National Guard as part of a team that runs their networks covering 50, 50 states and four territories. And we also have some work at DISA. Uh, the, I'm sorry, I used an acronym on you. We also have some work at the Defense Information Systems Agency, which is the joint communicate, the joint organization that is responsible for all the communications in the Department of Defense. Oh, that's amazing. That's a, that's quite a job there to kind of, you know, to oversee all that. Well, we're not overseeing the whole thing. We're just, we're just a small part of the team making right. it all happen. Fantastic. Fantastic. And as a former adjunct professor at the University of Hawaii, you taught disaster preparedness and emergency management. We see now many disasters happening. What can citizens do to better prepare and handle current disasters, such as the California fires and the recent Louisiana hurricane? So that is, that's an interesting question. There's a, there's a lot of people that do emergency management. It's a big field. And it's really, it's really popular in places that have a lot of disasters. So in Hawaii, we had the volcanoes, you have storm season, you have, you know, and then there's water damage, there's fires, there's all kinds of things that happen in Hawaii. Mm -hmm. And so for University of Hawaii to have its own program was a pretty big deal. And then if you, if you look around, there's other schools that have it as well. So, and People can look at the FEMA website. My brother works at FEMA right now. And I mean, he's involved in every, every disaster that's happening, he's involved in. And so their website has a bunch of really good, really good information on it, but they also have courses. So if you're trying to qualify for any kind of disaster preparedness, class they they have probably 30 to 40 free classes on their website you just all you just sign up for a username and password and you can take any class you want so i think it's a pretty good thing because people could use that on a resume so they can access the courses from the fema website yes yes okay. and they're entirely free so if you were trying to build wow. yourself up you could take these courses and say well you know i don't know a lot but i have taken these courses so i'm familiar with it that's very good. That's excellent. I think the more knowledge, the better. I would love to know what is it you do as a military leader, as a CEO of your company, what are some habits that help you achieve optimal performance? One of the things that I think is really important is self-education. There's a lot of people that I have found, that I have encountered, that don't self-educate. So they're just waiting for, well, if my job wants me to complete these following tasks, well, they have to train me 
in order to do it. And that's not really a good strategy. The strategy should be, my organization needs this skill. I can find free training here because there's free training available. There's so many places people can get free training now. Like edX is fantastic. And this edX.com and there's training from all these different colleges and they're just courses taught by people online. A lot of them are prepackaged courses, but just to educate yourself and to make yourself more valuable to a company as opposed to having the company have to train you. You know, you can educate yourself in order to move up. So what I'm hearing is that you have to be more proactive in your learning. Absolutely. Absolutely. The, the resources are out there and, you know, people just either don't know they're there or they're, they don't. just don't want to make the time to do it. Exactly. But it's a, it's a good strategy to get ahead. That's a good advice. Thank you. As a colonel retired in the United States Army, what can you recommend to women interested in joining a career path in the United States Armed Forces? I think they should go for it. I mean, I've had such a great experience in the Army, and you just, you go, you go for it, you have to be fit, and you have to work out, and you have to make sure you can run, because running is, for some reason, very important to people in the Army. And once I got, and I was a terrible runner when I first joined, and I kind of looked around and saw, man, I got to step it up. And once I started running a lot and doing well at that, all of a sudden, new worlds opened for me. <laughs> I mean, it's, it sounds really silly, but you can apply that to any organization. You have to figure out what is a value of the organization. And physical fitness was a value of the United States Army. So therefore, you have to be good at it. You know, I think physical fitness should be valued across many um, companies and many industries because if you don't have your health, you don't have anything. So, yeah, that's that's true, and it's easy, especially now, to just be stuck behind a computer. Because when I first joined the army, there were no computers. There were, I mean, I guess there were computers, but there weren't. There was no internet, and there was no. People didn't sit behind their desk all day. That wasn't really what it was all about. And so now I feel like we go to work and we sit behind our desk all day and some people never get up standing. When I was in Afghanistan, a lot of people had standing desks. Like they, they could go over to, I don't know where they, where they made them, but they would go over there and just make themselves a makeshift place to work so that they could stand up. Just taking breaks away from the screen, not just being at your desk, you know, possibly trying to incorporate some stretching or even a mid-afternoon workout, something to boost. Because I think every time you work out, if people think it's all physical, it's also mental. It helps you reduce stress, tension, keeps you focused. And especially now with everything that's happening, your health is, you got to take care of your health. No, I completely, I completely agree with you. I've, I looked into a lot of things that you've done too as well in, in business, with businesses. And you serve on the small business committee of AFCEA. How can small businesses struggling during this pandemic find more support to keep their doors open? So that's, that's an interesting question because the, I mean, it depends. I am the, you know, I'm in GovCon, so government contracting. So a lot of things slow down and it's, it's the pandemic and it's also the CR. So when, when, when they don't pass a budget because 
the election is happening, you know, the budget has been extended until the 14th of December, and it's called the Continuing Resolution, CR. And so they, they can't award new contracts, and, or the government can't award new contracts, and we're trying to compete for opportunities, and there's not as many out there as there were. So, I mean, it's it's doggy dog, and you have to you you have to make sure that when you submit a proposal or pricing that you have the best one, and because there's a lot of people submitting stuff because there's there's less opportunity out there, so there's more people, there's more competition for each job, so you really have to make sure that what you submit represents what you can deliver, and there's also you know, people have, we haven't done this, but the PPP loans have been around and I don't, I don't know as much about that as I probably should, but I was very lucky and the federal government allowed all my employees to work during the pandemic from home. Yeah, the loan definitely helps uh, small businesses with employees, with payroll, to pay rent and cover utilities. And I think now they even have loan forgiveness through some companies. So you can look into that as well. The problem's going to ha happen next year when the government has to repay all the money that it, it took to pay for the pandemic. It's got, it's got to come from somewhere. So I think there'll be, I think next year is going to be a pretty new year, at least in government contracting. I think we'll be taxed for as well <laughs> to, to cover all those <laughs> loans and grants and so forth. So like you said, it has to come from somewhere. That's true. Well, Claire, I want to thank you very much for joining me today on the show. Um, I'm grateful for your time and sound advice for achieving success and for being such a positive role model for women. Thank you. Oh, thank you for having me. Thank you. Please subscribe to our podcast to learn more about these inspirational stories. I am Minerva Salas, and I'll see you next time.